I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. If you've ever seen my bookshelf at work, you know that I love to read. I've got so many books that I'm not getting to. I've got my Audible bookshelf that's full of books, my iBooks and Kindle and of course, physical books. There's just so many and so many books, so little time. And I do hope someday that I'll get to all of them. But in the meantime, there are some books that really stand out, ones that you just start reading and you can't put them down. And today my guest is Wally Goddard and he just finished writing a book that uh, he passed over to me and I've not been able to put it down. In fact, this book is one that I've marked up and I've revisited and I've given out several copies to people already because I think it's that good. And I'm going to have him on the show today to talk about this book. I don't financially benefit from this in any way. I'm just happy to get this research out into people's hands. The book is called Discoveries, Essential Truths for Relationships. And one unique thing about this book is in Wally's retirement as a family life professor after more than 30 plus years teaching in a university setting and creating programs and uh, just doing so much work to spread truth around family life and marriage, he has taken all of these and put them in one place in a really succinct and clearly written format. And not only that, he's taken those and held them up against scripture and basically said, we can trust truth that aligns with research, with God's word, and also with lived experience. And he does a masterful job of putting these three things together and really giving us confidence in the things that we might be doing in our homes. And what a cool idea, right? It's so awesome. And so even if you're not a believer, even if you're not you know, into scripture or things like that, that's fine. This book is going to still contain the best information on marriage, parenting, and personal well-being. So it's something that I think everybody needs to have in their home. I've given it away already, like I said, and it's one that I'll continue to give away to newlyweds and to people who are just living in family life because we all need good resources. Family life and marriage aren't just easy. They're not just something that comes naturally to most of us. And so it's great to have resources that can be helpful. Let me tell you a little bit about Wally. On a personal note, some of you may know, and I've shared this in a previous episode when I had Wally on several episodes ago, Wally and his wife, Nancy, actually were marriage and family mentors to my wife and I informally, of course. They were neighbors of ours when we first got married. We'd been married like a week when we met them. And then we spent the next year living next door to them and being in their home a lot, eating and talking about marriage and family stuff. He's the reason I decided to switch gears and become a therapist instead of a journalist. And then we ended up living in their basement for the next year of our marriage. So the first two years of our marriage, we spent very close to them and their home and their family. And it was just such a huge opportunity to learn and grow and develop as we were just kind of getting our balance and figuring out how we wanted to be in our marriage and our family. So there's a little personal background on my connection to Wally. And this book is seriously just such a great review of all the cool things we got to talk about. And so it's just it's just chock full of great stuff that really made a very direct impact on the way that we lived our life and continue to live our lives and our family. 
But Wally also, uh, like I said, was a professor of family life at Auburn University, University of Arkansas, and uh, Utah State, and has produced and published programs, award-winning programs, and over a dozen books, and co-authored several more, and even did a public television series. And Wally was uh, awarded the Outstanding Family Life Educator Award from the National Council on Family Relations. And it's just well-respected and well-regarded in so many marriage and family circles, uh, researchers and authors. He's just done such a great job contributing to the field and now is retired. And like he says in the interview, instead of going out and just playing golf and hanging out, he's out trying to still teach and get the word out. And that just inspires me so much. He and his wife have been married for 50 years and they've raised three kids and they've uh, raised over 20-something foster kids in their time as well and just a lot of experience and compassion for human suffering and struggle in family life. And so I'm excited to have Wally on the podcast today to talk about his book, Discoveries, Essential Truths for Relationships. And also we just talk a lot, a lot about some of the things in the book and examples of how these areas of research and scripture, God's truths and lived experience can combine together to help us understand where to find good information, on living in marriage and family life. Here's my interview with Dr. Wally Goddard. Wally, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, it's good to have you back on here. We did a couple episodes before and it sure is fun talking to you. I'm excited to tell my listeners about your new book and we're gonna spend some time today talking about uh, your new book, Discoveries, and some of the great stuff that you've put together in there. So the whole premise of this and what I love about it is that I know as a parent, as a husband, and just as a family member that so many times I'm always looking for what's the best advice out there because my goodness, you could type in parenting or marriage advice on the internet and you're going to get a lot of scary stuff. <laughs> yes. A lot sure. of opinions, a lot of pop psychology, a lot of old, you know, just sort of collective wisdom that people have that may or may not be helpful. And so it's hard to sift through it all. And one test that I, you know, you've taught me and that I love and I think is so accurate is to really pair several things together. One is God's truth um, that's been revealed through sacred scriptures and teachings from not only prophets in the, the Old and New Testaments, the Book of Mormon, but also just a lot of this truth that's just survived in lots of different cultures that is just revealed truth and light and goodness that we just know are part of healthy relationships and healthy human functioning. So that stuff paired with modern research from really careful and thoughtful scholars that have found really effective ways. And then also with our own experiences and observations. And, and I know that you've built the book around this. So Wally, let's, let's just dive right into this. Can, can you talk about each of those three areas and why those combined together help us really trust you know, the techniques, the ideas, the interventions, the, the ways of reacting and responding in our, our parenting and marriage relationships. Yeah, Jeff, you know, I like to say that the natural parent is an enemy to children. <laughs> and uh, it may seem just a little bit gloomy, but I think it captures a reality that, that our automatic reactions to children usually have a lot to do with our own state of mind and our own convenience. And we often yeah. exercise a lot of power and base our response on irritation. So a child intrudes on our state of mind and we react to that. So that natural reaction process is not very productive. So what I'm suggesting instead, just as you've said, Jeff, is that 
we draw on that traditional wisdom, that that ultimate wisdom of what God has had to say. But I have this um, odd idea, Jeff, that God doesn't speak um, in just one news outlet. God speaks through revelation that's familiar to us and and is very important. But He also He also teaches truth to people who study in a scholarly kind of way. And so um, you and I have both been the beneficiaries of great research that's just stretched our thinking, haven't oh, yeah. we? I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> could we give a hundred examples, Jeff, of where <laughs> where you hear something? You go, oh, like when I first learned in a graduate class about induction. Or when I learned in a graduate class about moral development and the conditions that create that development of conscience in children, or, you know, we could name a hundred, couldn't we? Oh, yeah. Well, I remember I'm thinking back to my experience meeting with Sue Johnson and her team in 2009, and she started to talk about attachment. And I remember like weeping, weeping in the middle of this, this, this huge training in San Diego as she was talking about this. And all I could think about was, my attachment to God and that parent-child relationship and how that deep, deep longing for comfort has always been there and how that applies to my wife, my children, my parents, like, and just how that just really creates secure bonds and just everything that goes with that. And I just remember just rejoicing and thinking this is absolutely, this felt more true to me than almost anything else I had heard in graduate school and anything else in terms of a model or a way to understand human connection. It's powerful. It spoke to your heart, didn't it? Oh, yeah. It spoke to your experience. It just was a revelation. Yeah. And it was sparked by somebody who spent an entire career thinking and studying and, and researching, really struggling to understand. And so some, sometimes we unwisely pit uh, revelation against research as if they're enemies. And my experience has been that good research is consistently consistently in agreement with with the word of god yeah and then it's not a it's not a contest it's not a war it's it's actually a harmony in this case maybe a three-part harmony where where we then have the benefit of the laboratory of our own lives and in that laboratory we get to take ideas and say hey i'm going to try this out with my children and what we usually find i think you'd agree with this jeff that what we find is that the way we apply these truths, each child is a little bit different. Oh, don't you for think? sure. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I have four families with my four kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when we just try to take an idea and then just follow some kind of script. Yeah. Doesn't work. God has given us this rich, rich experiential laboratory where we get to really test these ideas and, and then customize them to ourselves and to the people we love and serve. Well, and you think of, yeah, you think of God as a parent, which, you know, we talk about God, the father, God, the mother, we talk about heavenly parents and this, this idea, this truth really that, that we are little offspring of them. And the way that they are with us is that exact same way. There's not a one size fits all the, the customized parenting that's going on in my life all the time. I think the scriptures even talk about that God speaks to us in our own language and it's just so customized. And so, yeah, the idea that there's one size fits all just doesn't resonate. And so these formulas and stuff, I mean, I think, I think understanding this test of research and revelation is a great way to not only discover it, but also to discard stuff that really just doesn't get us closer to light and truth. Yeah. I think how many fads there have been, you, oh, you and I have witnessed a lot of those fads come and go. And, and uh, I, I remember 
a fellow, I, I went to a workshop. One of the most memorable times of my life is I went to a workshop where a guy was advertising that he could fix your parenting overnight. You just buy his $200 audio program and he, he will fix you up. And his contention was, you just take everything away from children, take away their bed, their clothes, everything they value, and then make them earn it back. And, uh, you know, what we know from research is that that uh, only has any chance of working in the most extreme cases, only in those cases where children are completely out of control, that for virtually all children, that is for 99% of the population, that will make things immeasurably worse. I mean, you have officially declared war. <laughs> and, and children uh, are not wise enough to be afraid of war. They haven't learned that nobody really wins a war. And so they uh, put their heads down and uh, launch right in head first into the battle. So I, that's just one small example of the thousands of really um, silly fads that have come and go and, and really fill the conversation in the, in the popular culture. Yeah. And I think one of the first times that I had ever seen this, this whole idea even being talked about is, you know, years ago when we were living next door to you, Wally was, was when you really just took self-esteem and put it in a headlock. And (laughs) (laughs) I had never had anybody challenge the self-esteem. It was sacred cow. You couldn't touch it. Right. Yeah. Everybody was just, and this was in the the early nineties, mid nineties when self-esteem was really enjoying quite a bit of popularity and and it still does, but but the whole idea, and you you were the first person I had ever heard flip it on its head and then show that God has never prescribed that as a solution to our well-being. And I've never thought about it the same again. In fact, it's one of those one of those things once you see it, you can't unsee it. Because the truth, <laughs> the truth is just so powerful. Like what really is true about that? And so I don't know it's if you want to just great inversions. It is, it is. Just real quick, some of my listeners may be wondering, like, oh, well, why don't you flip it on its head, Wally? Can you just talk for a minute about what, what that is so people can hear what yeah. you Yeah. Wow. And, and we could draw on uh, all three domains for this. The first domain, if, if we draw on uh, research, as early as 1983, Sandra Scar, uh, no, it was, um, I can't remember her name right now. Uh, but anyway, in 1983, in a, in a review, review study of the research on self-esteem, the assumption had been that self-esteem was predictive and it was unitary. So it's one big thing. You have a good self-esteem or you don't. And it's predictive that if you could improve someone's self-esteem, you would improve their life. And what she found was that both of those are mistaken. One, it's not unitary. People tend to feel good about themselves in some areas and not others. And the other, it's not predictive. Improving self-esteem actually can demotivate people People who say, well, I'm, I'm fine the way I am. I don't, I don't really need to do anything. And so the idea that, that self-esteem is somehow magical, and if we could just get kids feeling good about themselves, they'd be so motivated, turns out to be entirely incompatible with research. In fact, Roy Baumeister found that children who feel great about themselves often are violent, that if somebody tells them something about themselves that they don't like, they resort to violence because they've got what he calls threatened egoism. And so we now know that uh, gang leaders and drug dealers and people who are successful in arenas we don't consider very productive often have very great self-esteem. So self-esteem itself is no, no magical elixir. And so that we, we can take the research, and there's a lot of it. I mean, we could go all day talking about that research. But then if we look at Scripture, 
it seems like Jesus said that if we want to find ourselves, we have to lose Lose ourselves, ourselves. Mm -hmm. lose ourselves. And then when Jesus was called by the young rich man, good master, his response was so strong that he couldn't even get to the question before he said, don't call me good master. There is only one who is good, and that is God. Yeah. And when we have God esteem instead of self-esteem, and of course, we appreciate that we are one of his creations. But when we, when we appreciate the creator, rather than adore the created, we're on a lot better footing for some real serious progress, some real growth. So um, it's not compatible with scripture. And we could, again, do dozens and dozens of scripture. There's great scripture that suggests that we first love God and second, love our fellow men. We love all humans. God didn't put in there, you got to love yourself first. So the idea that you can't love anybody until you love yourself is a doctrine from the dark side. It holds us hostage and keeps us from doing the very thing God wants us to do. And incidentally, the name of the woman who did that summary research was Susan Harder. She did the summary research that found that self-esteem was neither predictive nor unitary. Now, there's a third domain, which is the experiential one. I happen to be married to a person who, when, when we got married, I thought, Nancy doesn't appreciate and celebrate herself enough. And I tried to work on her self-esteem and get her to, you know, get her to, well, should we say brag a little bit more? And uh, she didn't want to do it. She hated it. In Nancy's book, the less she thought about herself, the happier she was. When she thought about other people and about God and her opportunities, she was happy. And what I learned over time, as I then discovered the research and even um, thought about what the scriptures have to say, what I found was that God um, has recommended self-forgetfulness, and Nancy is great at that. Nancy doesn't want to celebrate Nancy. Nancy wants to celebrate God and serve his children. And it happens to be a formula that um, is entirely supported by both research and scripture. And so I I, uh, now am trying to learn from Nancy instead of trying to, (laughs) excuse me for saying it, instead of trying to fix her self-regard, I am trying to be more like Nancy and um, have learned that self-forgetfulness is the solution. It's not self-hate or self-love. Neither of those is healthy. What is healthy is self-forgetfulness. Get absorbed in God and a worthy cause. Right. And then we could do a whole podcast on, you know, identifying your strengths, using those to help other people. I mean, there's just so much to talk about with that and how to do that. But I love that combination. And, And it really, it's solid ground to know that not only research, which, you know, a lot of people might trust more than God or God's word, which a lot of people might trust more than research, really are harmonized together. And then I think your own lived experience, like when you talk about just observing and noticing and feeling what's true, again, in my experience, happiness and and fulfillment come very indirectly to me when I'm focused on those things. If I really pay attention and the times that I've tried to build myself up or feel better, I just know it doesn't, it just doesn't work as well. And I end up sort of being surprised by joy or being surprised by happiness and peace and contentment when I'm engaged in being there for other people. And again, I think a lot of us are afraid that when it comes to this topic, at least, I know I've certainly been there, that we don't want to lose people. We care about people's feelings and we don't want people to feel bad about themselves, but we can trust this pattern that you just outlined. It really works. Yes, yes. And uh, it, when it passes tests in all three domains, 
then we can have a high level of confidence. And of course, now with uh, Martin Seligman's research, we know so clearly that service, that dedicating our lives to taking care of others and blessing others is really the ultimate form of well-being. And it's not uh, loving ourselves, it's dedicating ourselves to worthy causes. Yeah, it's so challenging. And it's so interesting, just like a lot of times in research, people are surprised that, you know, going in thinking that this is what everybody believes or everybody's talking about or sort of what culture is telling us. And then they discover that it's completely wrong. I also feel like it's not uncommon for me to get surprised by God, right? Like his ways are not our ways. Like there's a lot of the times, you know, it's almost from God if it doesn't make sense right out the gate. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It kind of goes against our human tendencies. Like you said, the natural parent or the natural spouse or the natural person, what comes to us naturally has rarely been helpful for our relationships. And so we can be educated by these, these other sources. Yeah. You know, Jeff, some people might see that as a gloomy outlook. I, I see it as incredibly hopeful. And me too. the idea that the natural parent is an enemy to children just means that we're in a fallen state. And, and all our mistakes are, are almost always a function of that fallenness. And the solution to fallenness is not self-absorption. The solution is um, God adoration, putting God on the throne of our lives where he belongs. And as we do that, boy... Things get so amazing as we love him and as we study his principles and we study how he treats his children, then we're so much better prepared to treat our children properly. Mm, I love that. And so in this book, Discoveries, you've basically taken the essential truths from research, from God's word, and from these lived experiences, as as you described, and really assembled a collection of principles and and teachings that can guide us in our most important relationships. Can you talk more about what you've assembled here? Yeah. In my career, I've I've focused on three broad areas. The first is the personal well-being or the happiness. How do I function well as a human being? And uh, that's a broad area with some really amazing discoveries, especially in the last couple of decades. I mean, ever since Martin Seligman was president of the American Psychological Association, We have really had a revolution in which we study seriously how people can really flourish and be their best selves. So one domain, one whole area is that personal well-being. A second is marriage. And, uh, you know, ever since John Gottman, John Gottman is that iconoclast who said, I'm not believing anything just because you say so. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and gather data. I'm going to study couples. I'm going to do it over decades and with hundreds and hundreds of people. And uh, what he found was that most of what it was being taught, and I would say is commonly still being taught about marriage, is just simply foolish, foolhardy, mistaken. I, I mean, just for a small example, the communication movement, the whole focus on communication. You know, if you fix how people talk without fixing how they feel, you really haven't solved the problem. And so I don't know how many marriage workshops focus primarily on communication. Right. And if they broaden and think a lot less about communication, allow that to be the natural expression of the heart. And so I would say that John Gottman, he would he probably wouldn't say it this way as a good practicing Jew, but I would say that that mighty change of heart that we know from Christian scripture is really fundamental. And I think John Gottman would be okay with saying a change of heart, having the right attitude so we no longer have those corrosive attitudes that that it can be so damaging to marriage. So the second general area in the book is is marriage and the, and the third is parenting. We've talked already a little about 
about some ideas related to parenting. And you know, Jeff, when we get our well-being going well, and when we get our uh, couple relationships strong, and then when we have our parenting on solid footing, I'd say we're in a really good place in our lives, wouldn't, wouldn't you? I really can't think of any other area of my life that I would worry about if those three were, were firing on all cylinders, right? Because yeah. I, I'm going to take, I mean, I know how it is. If I've had a rough day at home, then I'm pretty worthless at work or in my community efforts or other things like that, you know, whether it's with my kids or my marriage or individually, if I'm not taking good care of myself, or I'm just living in ways that don't really bring joy and peace, then, you know, any efforts I make at managing my finances or trying to improve my skill set or other things like that really are just all sort of extensions of those three areas. So I think to me, it covers it all. I really, I really can't think of, to me, otherwise it's just putting the cart before the horse, as they say. So- yeah, and even within the uh, domain of personal well-being, there's a very strong emphasis on connecting with other people. So we've really got the yeah, we've really got the the self and the connection with others, and then connection with family. So if we were to add another domain, it would probably be just snack foods because we've got everything else. <laughs> right, the icing on the cake, literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Sue Johnson that said um, one time. She said, "You know, once you get peace at home or in a marriage, as she was talking about, once you get that secure connection working right, everything else are just problems. Mm, yeah. right? Everything else are just every, you can solve anything, you can face, you can deal with anything." If you've got things lined up right in your your family and home life, your relationships, yes. it's our relationships. And it just is so true. I can't think of a better way to put it. And so so you've taken, you've gone through, and the book is divided into those three sections, personal well-being, marriage, and parenting. And you're weaving throughout the research and then also scripture from holy scriptures from, of course, ages along with personal experiences. And you've, you've had some great experiences, Wally. I know that obviously you've been married for 50 years. You've raised three great kids, in-laws, grandkids, and then of course, more than 20 foster children. And then of course, so many other countless experiences interacting with just the good people you've lived around. I mean, that just makes for such a rich well, a big deep well, if you will, to draw from, for examples and experiences in this book that really line up with these teachings. And I'd have to say, Jeff, that because I tend to have strong opinions about things, I've managed to make a lot of mistakes and I've tried to learn from them. And mm, uh, yeah, and so I, I think it's worth saying that there isn't a, a royal road to success in relationships, that there you really do. You can be earnest about it and you can be dedicated and you can be more informed, but all of us make lots of mistakes. And if we're Amen. good students of life, then boy, we can... We can get better and better at it. And I don't know that in mortality we get we ever get really, really good at it, but boy, we should can learn so much. And and uh, well, uh, one way to say it is we make much more sophisticated mistakes as we go along. You know, we're learning at a, yeah. a college or a graduate level instead of uh still doing uh kindergarten work in our families. Yeah. <laughs> People often ask me, or they'll ask Jody kind of in jest, like, oh, you must have an incredible marriage because you're married to a marriage counselor. And of course, you know, <laughs> after she stops laughing, then, you know, we'll both kind of comment back like, no, Jeff knows, or, you know, we, we know exactly what we're doing when we're screwing up. I mean, that's just it. Like we, we don't, we're not doing this in ignorance, but we have to learn the same lessons everybody else does. And I love that permission because a lot of the times we think there's some special group of people out there who are just skating through this, like they've just got it figured out or they came from the perfect family or they, 
you know, or they just had, uh, you know, a series of experiences that have just, or they have this, the right temperament and they just are so easy to live with. That's not been my experience, both personally, but also professionally and, and with my family and loved ones. Nobody gets a free pass on how to build in these three areas. We all have to do the work. And thankfully, there's good guidance, ideas, suggestions, principles that we can ground ourselves to. And that's, that's what I appreciate about, you know, this uh, book you've put together. It just, it creates, uh, let's just say it helps you avoid some pitfalls if you'll pay attention. It really does. Yeah. And I love what you said about, we recognize when we're messing up, we can see we're messing up, but don't you find Jeff that sometimes we're just mad or determined or whatever it is. And, and even though we know we're doing the wrong thing, we just can't stop ourselves. Oh, anger is just so good. You just you feel so justified, right? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the whole process is one of uh, really not only learning, but developing character, mm-hmm. developing a congruence between this growing knowledge and our, our actions so that our relationships are blessed by the light that comes from heaven. Yeah. I love that permission because it's not enough just to know what you're doing. Because again, even like with communication skills, you can, like you were saying earlier, you know, you can basically turn into and no offense to use car salesman, but basically, you know, what's sort of stereotypically viewed as someone who's just a fast talker, you can become very sophisticated as a salesman and becoming really highly effective at communicating, but just, you know, have a totally cold heart and you're going to do more damage. And so that congruence, I love that, which is character-based, it's, it's humility, it's compassion, it's all these kind of under-the-hood attributes that nobody can really measure, but really make all the difference in the world, paired with some skills or some techniques or some things that you might learn or understand better. Uh, they both matter so much. Yeah. So in the end, it isn't just knowledge, it's, uh, it's character that God is after, isn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. All these experiences are designed to help us become good people. And that we should expect that that process will take a while. Yeah. The best of students will work at it for a lifetime. Yeah. And there's nothing like a few good face plants to really accelerate <laughs> that character development. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, um, I mean, one of the questions, Jeff, that, that reminds me of is uh, many parents have asked me, so when I've done something stupid with my kids, is it okay to apologize or am I giving away my power when I do that? My answer is, oh my, of course you'd apologize. Anytime we do something stupid and hurtful and self-centered, we ought to apologize. And we can go to our kids and say, man, I blew that. I really did that all wrong. And I'm so sorry. You deserve better. And I want to start over again if you'd allow me to. And that attitude of, uh, wow, should we call it repentance? Uh, That attitude of learning and being humble about our imperfection and trying again and, and acknowledging to others our imperfection and asking for forgiveness and patience. Wow, that creates a different kind of relationship, doesn't it? And that is an eternal principle. And that's, that's been around longer than any parenting book has been around. And I was thinking of an example. In my church, there's a woman. She, she was in her 60s at the time she told me this story. And her, her 90-something-year-old mother had picked up a Brene Brown book and had read about shame and what shame was. And she had this realization that she had grown up shaming her children, that she yeah. had grown up and spoken to them in ways and talked to them and about them in ways that would have really caused a lot of shame and made them feel less than human. And at 90 something years old, she had a deep change of heart and recognized that she'd blown it, 
that she really had hurt these kids. And these kids are all in their 60s now, 70s. And she approached them all individually and tearfully apologized. And and my friend who was telling me this, she said it melted her heart. She did not see it coming. She had just accepted this who mom, this is who mom was and and whatever. And I'm just going to do better with my kids and grandkids. But her own mother found some stuff that was really true and based on solid research and again, gospel principles, changed her heart and improved her family relationships before she died. And I just yeah. was so moved by that. And I thought, yeah, it's never too late. And we're always children. We're always, we're always in those roles. We just want so badly to be seen and loved and connected to our families. And I just say, as soon as you recognize truth, as soon as you learn a principle, like you said, Wally, don't be afraid to apologize or humble yourself and take it to your family members because families are pretty resilient. And I think that people really want healing and connection. I think our children really appreciate when we're human and our, and our spouses, when we say, oh, for sure, man, I, I really blew that, didn't I? Yeah. And, uh, hard to be defensive, hard to fight back when someone's soft like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about another example of this fusion of research-based truth and revealed truth from God and lived experience. I love in your book, you talk a lot about parenting. In this parenting section, you talk a lot about helping our children become, I think John Gottman uses the term, it's, he calls it emotion coaching, but teaching our children how to work with their emotions and see other people's emotions and develop deep compassion. I'd love for you to talk about that for a minute about the combination of this and how it can bless our families. Wow, Jeff, that's really big. I, I was talking to a colleague the other day and we were talking about the role of compassion in our lives. And, and you think, well, wow, do I really need to show compassion? Isn't it about strong leadership? Isn't parenting about leadership? And I would say if we want children who have compassion, then we absolutely must show compassion. Mm -hmm. And I just, somehow, um, it has taken me decades to recognize that many of the processes in parenting that lead to success are really about compassion. They're really about trying to really understand the other person's feelings. And, uh, you know, for instance, let's take Heim Gnatz between parent and child. He really tells story after story after story about how when a parent really understands what the child's feeling and what's happening in their lives, it just changes everything. It, yeah. it softens the relationship. And, uh, and we don't do that automatically, do we? It doesn't, it just doesn't come automatically. It's something that takes real effort and awareness to be able to do that. Yeah. And it's even more remarkable when you do it for a, a little person who really is pretty defenseless and has no power and really can't do anything for you, right? I mean, it's one thing to do it for someone you might be, you know, trying to impress, but in our homes and behind closed doors to really show compassion and see a child as a human being with feelings that are different than yours, boy, that is a challenge, but it, it works. And what's remarkable yes. is a side note, Wally, I, I mean, I know that you helped revise Between Parent and Child with Heim Gnott's Widow back in 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Yes. And is that Heim Gnott was writing this stuff in the 60s when children were supposed to be seen and not heard. It just, I mean, you talk about someone that just was inspired. He was so counterculture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Jeff, one of the great revelations for me is I, I once I was interviewing his widow, Alice, and I said, Alice, why is it that this was so important to Heim 
And she looked at me like I was an alien. I mean, just like I was maybe the dumbest person on the planet. (laughs) And she said, Wally, don't you get it? She said his mother could never do this for him. And it became the cry of his soul to understand. You know, if if he would ever say to his mother, I think I would like this. And she'd say, no, no, that's not what you want. What you want is this. And so having experienced that across his childhood, he then dedicated his life and his career to teaching all of us how to have compassion. Mm. And when we, and, and we need to be careful, don't we? Because sometimes we imagine that having compassion means making concessions. And that's, that's not true. I mean, bringing our heart to understand what a child feels or what our spouse feels or what a colleague feels. It's bringing tenderness and openness and understanding. And then there's still a whole nother process that's about negotiating how you move from there. And that's in the case of parenting, that's called emotion coaching, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Where we acknowledge the feeling and we describe it and we talk about it. And we really, we bring our hearts as an offering to the child and to their experience. And when we do, it changes everything. Just as Jesus himself brought his compassion to change the world. And to the extent we embrace and accept his compassion, we are changed. Yeah. And we are changed by his love, not by his boundaries. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's true. He didn't endear people to him because he had some great rules. He endeared us because he just gave us his heart. He gave us everything. Yeah. And yeah, that fear. I understand that fear, Wally. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still raising children. I've, I mean, I've got four kids and I remember when I started hearing about some of these concepts and some of these ideas for the first time, we didn't have kids. And I think it really became, in theory, it sounded great. But when you start having children and you feel like you're, you're losing ground or <laughs> you get desperate or, or you, you want to wrangle some control of the situation, it's easy to lose our hearts. It's easy to overpower and just go to sort of natural tendencies. And I agree. I think God's calling us to do it in a different way. And so is the research. You know, we know spanking doesn't work. We know that there's lots of parenting techniques that just make kids resentful and don't help them become better humans, which is really what we're trying to do as parents anyway. We're not just trying to solve an immediate problem, even though it feels like that. We're trying to create healthy adults who can carry on and live in society and build healthy families. And so much of what comes naturally to us, I know what's come naturally to me, uh, would never get get me there, never get my kids there. And so I, yeah. I really appreciate knowing again, the convergence of these, these different truths, because otherwise you just can kind of get whipped around with all these different parenting philosophies. There's so many yeah. of them. Yeah. And one of the popular ideas is that you can reward and punish children to good character. And uh, it is reminiscent of that philosophy that says you can buy anything in this world with money. Uh, the idea that you can create character through bribery is just pretty absurd. Yeah, And yet out of desperation, we often uh, try to use those kind of techniques to get the outcomes we want. Yeah, And they, they just don't work like compassion does. Now, compassion must be combined with wisdom to be effective. But wow, when we combine it, it really, it really makes a difference. Mm. So Wally, I, I love this discussion and I really want my readers to not only get your book, but to really read it. And I mean, I... I've known you a long time and I've read, I've read everything you've written, including most of your articles that you publish on a regular basis. And this particular book really is 
almost probably just a nice summary overview of so much of what you've researched and studied and, and taught about for, you know, the last 30 to whatever years plus, right? It, it is that right? I mean, this really just kind of is a, is a nice collection, a nice summary, if you will, of these principles. You're right, Jeff. Yeah. That's a good description. I think that after I, all these years, this is an attempt to say, okay, here are the core principles. And, yeah. and each of those five uh, domain, excuse me, each of the three domains has five subdivisions about the key processes within them. And then within those, there are articles about how to make that work. I've tried to be very, very practical mm-hmm. while embedding it all within a solid framework. So you're absolutely right that like, for instance, one of my books that's been pretty popular is Soft Spoken Parent. And lots of people found that very useful, finding things to do instead of getting angry. But that's a little bit narrow. And it does, of course, I, I mentioned a lot of things that we can do that are better than being angry. But it doesn't really talk about marriage. And it doesn't talk about our personal well-being. and uh, it doesn't talk about some of the other aspects of parenting that are really important. So you're right. That's a good description. This is an attempt to say, okay, after a lifetime of uh, working in the field and of making lots of awful mistakes, here are the lessons I would like to pass on to people I care about. Yeah, that's that's the sense. I, it's almost like if I could give people a starting place, I mean, this would make a great wedding gift, you know, or, or someone welcomes a, a child into their family that this is stuff people, I know for me, it was so helpful to start thinking about it in the early days of my marriage and before we had kids and as we, our kids were growing up, just really revisit this stuff so we can you know, come at it with a, a being principle-centered and having a framework, an idea of how to approach this because, boy, it's kind of like live ammunition. Once, once you start having kids and life is happening, it, it just feels like you can hardly have time to sit down and think straight about what your philosophy is or what your approach is going to be. So I love getting this into the hands of, of young families and couples, especially, but it's also great for 90-something-year-olds who can reflect back on their lives and see places where they might have done something different. I think it's got application for anybody who lives in a family, which is all of us. So I'm so glad you put it together. It's such a fantastic resource. Well, thanks, Jeff. It's, it's something I hope will be helpful to people. So can I ask you the same question you asked Alice Gannott? Wally, why do you care so much about this? What would you say? There are probably two answers. One is, I don't like hurting the people I love most. Mm. And I love Nancy. I love that sweet, dear girl. And it pains me when I pain her. And um, the same is true with our children and grandchildren. I don't like functioning poorly in the area that matters most. But then the second answer is, I happen to have been blessed with a couple of the best parents on the planet. And I saw how consistently and overwhelmingly perplexed they were by happiness, well-being, and marriage, and parenting. Hmm. They just were perplexed by it. Nobody, nobody told my mom and dad how to do it. And they worked hard at it, and they wanted the best. And it makes me sad to think how hard they worked at it, and how, how rare the satisfactions were as they struggled to figure out how to do what was not clear to them. Hmm. So I guess for me, that's the answer, Jeff. Yeah. What I saw in my parents' struggle and my own desire to bring something more informed to the people I love with all my heart. Hmm. That's beautiful. And you've done that. And I, I'm grateful for it. I agree. I, I look back on 
so many earnest, good people who just were working hard to try and get it right in their families and maybe improved on the previous generation. But I think with this research and these truths and just the stuff that you've pulled together and that's out there, as we dig into these resources, we can really accelerate growth and, and healing and create just daily joy and peace in our families in a way that I think was probably never possible in, yeah. back in the days. And I, I just, it's so exciting to me as well. This is a time when, uh, to be sure that the very elect are not deceived, God is sending floods, literal floods of light through all channels, through our own experience, through revelation, and also through the scholarly community. Hmm. It's also, Jeff, yeah. why in the book, I have a rather lengthy bibliography, because for a person who says, oh, well, that's an interesting idea, but I just don't know how to do it. And I just can't, I can't in one book give it all. And so, so I point to the best books I ever read. And for a person who's found an area that's of interest to them, I reference those great books and say, oh, go to this book or that book. And you can really find the stuff that'll help you figure out how to take the next steps. Yeah, you could really go on quite a uh, quite a journey, digging deep into, like you said, Heim Gnad or some of John Gottman's work or some of these other researchers, both sacred and secular research and texts and things like that. You've got a nice mixture of them in there. And like you said, it, it, there's a lifetime of study in there if you want. I certainly have been blessed so much by all these different sources. So yeah, it's fantastic, Wally. The, the book is called Discoveries, Essential Truths for Relationships. And again, I'll put a link to where you can purchase it in the bio, in the show notes rather. And so Wally, anything else you want to say, just wrapping up about this book, your process, what you would want for my listeners around these things? Here's, I guess, an, an addendum. Most of my colleagues, when they finish their careers and retire, they take the books to the used bookstore and they uh, move on and they become good golfers or one thing or another. I I'd have to say I haven't been able to do that because I think there's so much great stuff there. I also think it's not getting out. I think if you did a survey of the general populace and asked what are the best books in personal well-being and couple relationships and parenting, I think uh, most people would be mystified or would point to well-known but not very good books. So I guess my um, final note is, um, boy, I... I feel like there's so much more to be said and done. So I, um, I with various colleagues, we're like you and I have been working on a family relations course. I'm looking at having some retreats and uh, whatever I can do to make good ideas available to people who are hungry to do things better. I say, stay tuned, stay tuned, keep learning from great books. And I think you and I both, Jeff, are people who have people have questions about Where's there a good workshop, a good book, a good uh, training? I think both of us are delighted to point people to the best resources we know about. Yeah, it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference to have the right information because I have certainly banged my head against the wall with bad information before. And, yes. and so it is, it just opens up. I mean, we all just want to be happy in our homes and our personal well-being. I mean, we want, we want peace in these areas that matter so much to us. And so, so I agree. And I love that. I love that you're spending your retirement, working maybe even harder than you did ever <laughs> trying to get the word out with all the great stuff you've learned. It's just a real gift. So thank you, Wally, for all that you're doing. And of course, thank you for adding another book to my library and hopefully lots of other people's. Thank you, Jeff. It's good to be with you. 
you want to grab a copy of Discoveries, Essential Truths for Relationships by Wally Goddard, you can click on the link in the show notes. And you can also just go to Amazon and buy it there. Thank you so much, Wally, for joining me on the podcast. Always good to connect with you. And I just love knowing that you're still out there making things happen. It's pretty awesome. And I want to thank all of you. Thank you for joining me every single week. I love knowing that there's people out there that are listening and trying to improve themselves and their relationships. I'll tell you, it makes such a difference when you just care. And so thank you for caring. Hopefully the stuff that we're sharing here is making a difference for you. And as always, I love hearing from you. I really do. Drop me a line. Let me know what you like, what's working for you, what you need. And I want to make sure that the content I'm delivering here is making a difference for you in your life. Of course, you can head over to my website, From Crisis to Connection. I've got a free download, which is a PDF that I'll send you on how to end your marriage arguments. Some great stuff there. So go check that out. I also have online courses, past episodes of this podcast. We're at 100 and something, 112, 113 episodes now. And also, I write a weekly relationship column. I've got lots of stuff going on with social media. So you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Lots of ways to connect and share and learn. There's just so much good stuff out there that I want to share. I could talk about this stuff all day long. Well, in fact, I do. And I love it. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. I look forward to seeing you and hanging out with you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.